Hey, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to My Sentiments Exactly podcast. My name is Kay, and I'm your host. Today's special guest is Debbie Hancock. Debbie has always had a heart for women and comes to Compassion to Act with years of experience in working with women of all backgrounds. She is passionate about sharing her faith and life experience with individuals who have suffered trauma and loss, especially victims of human trafficking and exploitation, and seeing them restored into their destiny. Hope you enjoy today's episode. Debbie, I'm so excited to have you on My Sentiments Exactly today to share about human trafficking, modern day slavery, and compassion to act. Thank you so much for being a part Thank of the you. show. Thank you for having me. I really yeah, absolutely. It. Um, so for those that are, are watching, you know that for season three, we are kicking things off with our conversation starters. So I'm going to pick a random one and ask Debbie and she will give her answer. Fine. All right. Okay. Have you ever ignored advice? And if so, what was it and why? Ooh, that's a really good one. Um, <laughs> of course I have. <laughs> of I think course everyone I have. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, you think about like when you're a kid, especially, you know, when your mom says, I don't think I like that friend very much. And you're like, mom, you don't know what you're talking about. And then you find out that that friend is not to be trusted and isn't a good yeah. friend. I know, I know that that happened to me when I was, when I was young, for sure. Yeah, for no, that's, sure. that's a good yeah. one. I think everyone has ignored advice at one point in their yeah. life. So oh, that yes. was good. Good answer. Yeah. Well, we want to be teachable, right? <laughs> like we want to be a teachable people. Yeah. Know? When we, when we think we figured it all out, we're in big trouble. So. Exactly. Yeah, there's yeah. always something to learn, always room to grow. So always. that was a good one and definitely a relatable one. Um, so mm -hmm. we're going to get right into the episode. Um, Debbie is the founder of Compassion to Act, and she advocates for human trafficking, um, modern day slavery and, and things of that nature. So I will open the floor for you, Debbie, to share your experience and what led you to um, Compassion to Act and just your passion behind mm -hmm. human trafficking. Yes. Thank you, Kay, for having me on. And I, I really am grateful because anytime we can talk about human trafficking and we can talk about this issue, we know that it saves lives. So the time that we're together today, we know that what I hope that you leave with is more knowledge about it and the way it looks and maybe some of the ways that you didn't know it looked. And when you see it, when you're out in public or when you're around it, you will be equipped because knowledge is power. And what we do with it makes all the difference because it could save someone's life. So, um, so I'm a Texas girl. I was born in Houston. I lived there until I was 29 years old or 28 years old. So I have been in the Carolinas since. Um, I did not become a Christian until I was 30. Um, and at that time, it's like right after I became a Christian, I God started bringing people to me that were in crisis. And it was children. It was adult women. It was families in crisis. And our home was opened. Like we had a lot of people uh, live with us from time to time. Um, okay. We had a little girl live with us. Like we've had different situations. So I think what was happening is that the heart, my heart 
to want to help people had already started. And I didn't know it was going to end up being human trafficking. And that was going to be my, uh, my call in life and what I was made for not only being a mom, but also being a modern day abolitionist. So it's really crazy, you know, and I, I didn't even um, start this until I was in my 40s. So okay. you never know, you never know wh- what twists and turns your life's going to take. You can be older and you just start the second half of your life or the third half of your life, you know. So yeah you know, for anyone listening, it's never too late. Um, You've, you know, you haven't gotten too old that you've missed your call, or you've missed what you're supposed to do. And maybe what you're supposed to do, God hasn't even revealed it to you yet. Yeah, that the greatest things, the greatest things and the greatest part of your life maybe hasn't even hasn't even been uncovered. So listen to the voice of God and let him lead you in that because you never know what an adventure, what an adventure. And, and even though, this topic is horrific and hard and um, it's been the hardest thing I've ever done. It's also yeah. had moments of it being uh, very, very worthwhile. And um, I was not trafficked. I uh, did suffer um, from some sexual abuse in my life from three family members and from what we've learned and what we have worked with. Now, this isn't the case for everyone, but And in my situation, and in my case, every woman we've helped up until now has been sexually abused as a child. So we know that that doesn't always happen um, to cause someone to get into that, to to be vulnerable for human trafficking, but it definitely plays a part in it. So I know that I very well could have, that could have happened to me um, if, you know, the road was different for me. So thank God it didn't. Um, so I'm great. I'm grateful for that. But I did walk through a lot of healing in that way. And um, so I have an understanding of uh, someone who's been put in a vulnerable situation, and what that looks like. And we all have our, uh, we all have pain in our lives. So we've all experienced some measure of pain because we live in the world. And it's just a part of it. So um, I think sometimes how you how you process pain and how you work through it um, says a lot of, you know, the roads that you take and the choices that you make, too. And sometimes the choices that are made for you that you really don't even have a control over. So um, I found my way to human trafficking from a friend who actually had a heart for human trafficking. I didn't even know really what it was when I said yes to the call. I liked my friend and she had a heart for human trafficking. And I thought, well, I'll, when she asked me if I wanted to start it with her, I was like, sure. Yeah, of course. I want to help women. I want to help children. That's, that's where I feel (laughs) my call is. So I didn't even know what I was saying yes to. And, you know, I think looking back, I think, I think that was good, you know, because, I think if I would have known, I probably would have run the other way. <laughs> I'd be like, no way. I will just go work at Ulta and sell makeup and live my life, you know. Um, yes. But, but um, wow, what a journey that, that we've been on. But so when, when that happened, you know, what we did, how we started is when we decided to start this, um, we spent a whole day at Panera Bread talking about and dreaming about what we would do, even though we didn't really even know where it was or what it was, we thought maybe we would 
raise money and send it to other countries to help rescue children. We just didn't know that it was happening here. And so when we started researching, we spent six months researching, learning about it and um, looked at all the other organizations in our city. We realized, wow, we have to do something in our own city before we can go and help other cities because this is our city. You know, this is where God has us. We've got to do something about it. So we ended up having a conference and what we did is we had all the human trafficking organizations in the area come and be a part of it. We had worship, we had a speaker, we had someone who was actually trafficked come and speak. And what we did is we just wanted to open it to whoever wanted to be a part of it. So if they wanted to serve with our organization, awesome. If they wanted to serve with another organization, awesome. We just wanted to equip people. And so we had this conference, we had 600 people come, which is incredible. It was amazing. That is amazing. I know, I know. And then from that, we had our first labor rescue. So there was a woman um, who had been searching for her daughter and the news had come out and uh, filmed it filmed the the event and this woman that was living in New York City had been searching for her daughter mm-hmm. and she was searching for her and some through just some crazy situations we were we found the we found the, the girl and she ended wow. up staying staying with us uh, for two nights on her 18th birthday, we were able to buy a bus ticket for her and send her back to her mom. So that's kind of how it started because we do yeah. have an emergency safe house in, okay. um, in Charlotte. And so we're able to send women there, but we can talk about that in a few minutes, but that's really how it started. And then yeah. as we started educating ourselves and learning about it, um, we also started going into local strip clubs and working with women there. Okay. And the women, you know, in the strip clubs, not all the women are being trafficked, but they're also in a vulnerable place. Yeah. So we work with women who are also vulnerable and also um, who have been trafficked. And okay. in the time that we've been doing this since 2013, we've given out about 3,500 uh, compassion bags. And we've, we've fed about 15, we've given about 1500 meals um, to ladies in the club. So we, we um, do compassion bags, which is just like a gift bag. And then we yeah. also um, provide a meal for them. So yeah. it's been awesome, you know, with COVID, uh, we haven't been in a while just because of the situation. So we can't wait to get back in there and love yeah. on the ladies and get to know, you know, talk to them. I mean, we, we miss, we miss going, but hopefully soon we will be able to do that. So I kind of have jumped ahead just a little bit, but what I want to uh, give you guys is just some, just some basic statistics and facts that yes, can that help, help you. Yes. So human trafficking, a lot of people don't know what human trafficking is. Okay. Yeah. So, so human trafficking, the simplest definition is the act or practice of illegally transporting people from one area to another for the purpose of force, fraud, or coercion. And usually it can involve some sort of labor or sex act. So anything in exchange and you don't get paid for it or you're forced to do something is considered human trafficking. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah. So that's how it's, that's how, that's the, the, the definition that everyone uses. And it's the, 
So worldwide, there are 40.3 million slaves. 75% are women, 25% are children, and 81% are labor. So in the past five years, 89 million have been trafficked, ranging from a few days to years. Wow. Now, one of the things we have to look at as well is these are the cases that we know of. What yeah. about the cases we don't know of? What about the women who aren't able to report it? Or the women that ha it happened to them at a certain stage in their life and they've managed to do other things. So, so we know the numbers are much greater than even that, which is horrific that we yeah. have that problem. And that's just and in the U.S.? No, that's in the world. That's oh, in the, the world. world. Okay. Yes, okay, in, in the, the world. world. Yes. And so there are more people being trafficked now or in slavery now than ever before in the world. And it's growing. It's growing by the day. And, you know, we've seen a lot of people talk about it in the media this year. We've seen that there's yeah. been a lot of um, people being uh, arrested and all, that, which is perfect, which is great. But there's still a lot more. And we just scratched the surface. So within the U.S., 85% are women, 33% are minors, and half are citizens, and 75% are sex trafficked. So we do have labor, but the majority of the women and children and boys are sex trafficked. And so there were 10,949 cases reported and investigated. And the GSI in uh, 2018 estimates that there are probably 403,000 victims at any given time. Wow. 403,000. So not all the cases are reported. Not all the cases yes. are gone to court. There's mm -hmm. a lot of situations happening that we, that we don't ever know about. Or yeah. the women are afraid to go up against their trafficker for the sake of, you know, afraid of what will happen to their families or whatever. Yeah. So, so in North Carolina, Charlotte is the number one city. Okay. And so from 2007 to 2016, Charlotte ranks 23rd um, in, uh, in the city. And, um, uh, and so when you look at how many, how many calls have been, have been given in, you know, in the nation. So when you look at Charlotte as a nation, Charlotte is a large city and um, the statistics and the rankings change. So, you know, last year or the year before we were uh, in the top 10 of all the states in, I mean, of all the cities in the United States, we were um, in the top 10. Now this year we have dropped to uh, 23rd. So some people think, oh, that's awesome. We're doing so yeah. much better. Well, our statistics are no better. What's happened is other cities are worse. Okay. So when, Makes so, sense. so yes. And so what happens is um, our holding center of all of our statistics comes, comes through Polaris. They're the ones that do our rankings for our states and our cities. And we mm -hmm. get a D like when they do a scorecard, our state gets a D. Okay. So we're not doing very well. Yeah. And, you know, and there's a lot of uh, reasons why we're not doing well. Um, 
when you look at high risk factors, like what causes someone to be trafficked, mm-hmm. uh, what, what happens? So we'll talk about those for a few minutes. Um, so how this happens is there's high factors of dysfunction in the home, running away, previous neglect, sexual abuse, homeless youth, poverty, developmentally delayed, emotional distress, substance abuse. So when you look at some of those factors, you can see that not all of those things lead to someone being trafficked, but in many cases, it definitely makes you vulnerable to be trafficked. So, and some of the low risk factors are unsupervised social media, which is a huge problem that we have right now. And we will talk about more about that too. An absent father, naive about the world behind, uh, around them, easily influenced by their peers, very trusting, a desire to be want or wanted or loved because everyone has this desire to be loved. And what happens is a trafficker is, is a master manipulator. They know just what to say. They know just what to do. And I remember reading an article one time and the tra- this trafficker said, I know just who to talk to. It's the, it's the girl that won't look me in the eye. So we know that the average age of entry is 13 and it's getting younger all the time. But think about when you were a middle school kid, did you always feel pretty and <laughs> like you had your life together? I mean, you're going Absolutely through, not. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So yeah. no matter if you have an, an amazing home life yeah. or you have a terrible one, you're going to have days where you don't feel good about yourself because exactly. it's just part of it. And if you just happen to be in a place where there is a trafficker looking for someone and you just happen to be vulnerable that day that's how it could start. Mm. And, you know, and it's not like, you know, they kidnap the kids and they take them, although that is, that does happen. It's usually a grooming process. So it's something that happens gradual. It's someone that maybe wants someone's phone number or someone that wants their Snapchat or whatever. And it's a gradual, a gradual grooming process. So this young woman feels like, I am being, you know, I'm loved by this person and um, I'll do anything. Um, I'll do anything for them. And so what happens is they get themselves, you know, these situations happen now. So who's profiting from this? Okay. So this is crazy. 90% of victims are controlled by a pimp. A pimp is the same name as a trafficker. A pimp and a trafficker are the same, okay? Okay. Because they, uh, a a pimp, you know, what people talk about pimp, they Uh will sell someone for money and not give someone money. That's considered human trafficking by definition. Yeah, Yeah, that's So pimps and traffickers are the same thing, okay? Yeah. Um, A trafficker can be a boyfriend, a family member, or a female, You know, when we were, when my children were little, I remember telling my kids, if you ever get lost, go find a mommy, you know, go find a mommy, they'll help you. Right. Well, nowadays you just have to really be careful because we've seen, we've seen traffickers be grandmothers, mothers, aunts, uncles. I mean, we've helped women that have been in those situations, which is horrific. We had a situation a couple of years ago here in, um, in an elementary school, that there were two little girls in kindergarten that were being trafficked by their grandmother. 
and their grandmother owned a bar in, um, in Charlotte and the little girls would go work in the, work in the bar. So wow. horrific, horrific. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yes. So anyone who benefits financially from sexual exploitation of the minor or facilitates exploitation. So not, it's not always organized criminals. It can be someone living in a million dollar home or someone living in a poverty environment. It can be anyone who, who, who profits off another person. And if a trafficker has four people that are working for him, he can make 600,000 a year. So it's the law, it's the second highest criminalized activity in the world. Drugs is number one, but human trafficking is quickly becoming the number wow. one because they can use it. They can use these ladies over and over again. Instead of drugs is, you know, it's a, it's a product they have to continue, continue to get. Yeah. That is so right? interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how, how do these guys recruit or women, how do these traffickers recruit people? How, how do you yeah, find that's yourself? What I ask. Yeah. How do you find yourself in these vulnerable situations? So they manipulate their victims by becoming and beginning with an initial, an initial false love and affection. So they will say, Oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, you know, I really, you know, would love to buy this for you. Let me get this for you. Um, you know, your mom and dad really don't understand you. No one, your friends really don't understand you. I'm the only one that understands you. And I just want to take care of you. And you've had such a hard life and, you know, and you're so beautiful. And, you know, all of the things that this person is wanting to hear, the trafficker knows how to say it and knows what to say. So this young woman feels like I will do anything for this man because this man has done everything for me. He's given me everything. Well, in some cases, what will happen, well, it, it, what normally happens is that the switch will flip. Here's this trafficker giving this person all these things. And then all of a sudden he's like, okay, I've done so much for you. Now you're going to do this for me. And if you don't, I will kill your family. I will tell your mom, I will tell your grandmother, I will do whatever it yeah. takes. And you know, those, the, the women, the young girls will do anything for their trafficker because of that. Yeah. Cause they don't want to disappoint their family or they're afraid. Yeah. So there's a level of putting these women and putting these young people in, in such a place of fear that they'll do anything. And then okay. sometimes, Oh yes. Oh no, I was, I was saying, I got you. Um, once you finish this, could you, uh, are there certain places that the traffickers will go more often than others? They'll go anywhere. You know, I mean, there are places where there are vulnerable people and we can, we can get to that. Okay. Um, but they're known to recruit at schools, malls, foster homes, bus Oops. stations. Oh yes. Oh yes. There, we have seen situations in some of the schools where some of the students are trafficking the kids there. So there will be a trafficker at the school or there'll be a trafficker hanging out at the school or hanging out where all the kids go. Um, okay. Restaurants, parks, homeless shelters, courtrooms. I remember one time there was a, a gal we worked with and 
she uh, met her trafficker at the library. The library. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wow. mean, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And who is buying? This is the part that blows my mind. Okay. So okay. it's doctors, lawyers, athletes, clergy, the father next door. Without demand, there would be no supply. And buyers of sex with children spans ages, occupations, incomes, and races. But the average person is a 41-year-old Caucasian professional male. That's the purchaser. 41-year-old Caucasian male. A professional Caucasian male. Let that sink in. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... It's terrible. So how do you know if someone is being trafficked? And that's always a really, um, a question that we get a lot. We get a yeah. phone, like uh, just this past week, Saturday night at like midnight, I got a call from someone who was asking me, do you think my, uh, my, my friend, my, my friend's daughter is being trafficked? What do you think about this situation? And she shared it with me. And absolutely, like this guy is grooming her. Wow. He's pulling her, he's pulling her away from her family. He's buying her gifts. He's promising her a better life. Yeah. He's he's telling her all of the things that you want to hear. Because when someone is broken, they the, the trafficker knows how to get into that brokenness. Like find that place of brokenness in that person and say whatever they can say to make them believe that this man loves them. And so many of the ladies we worked with have never, they don't even think they've been trafficked. They think that man loves loves them. Yeah. It's the Romeo syndrome. They believe that he loves them. And we know that's not the case. Yeah. That's not the case. And, and we've had ladies that are, you know, eight, that have, that were 18 years old that uh, have a felony on their record because of something the trafficker had them do wow. that has carried them into their thirties. Yeah. That will follow you. Mm-hmm. It will. It will. So some warnings that an individual has been trafficked, um, signs of physical abuse, burn marks, bruises, cuts, unexplained absence from class, uh, less appropriately dressed. So a sexualized behavior, overly tired in class, withdrawn, depressed, distracted, brags about making lots of money or has lots of money all of a sudden, buys expensive clothes, has new accessories, shoes, a tattoo. A lot of times a trafficker will brand a girl so they will brand her with a, a specific tattoo that shows that he's their property. And we've seen that many times with these ladies. They have a certain tattoo. So other traffickers know, okay, this girl's already being taken. So we're not going to mess with her. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, an older boyfriend. So if you have someone in high school and they're dating someone maybe in their 20s or whatever, older, Um, They talk about wild parties. Um, They try to get other kids to go to parties. Um, They maybe show signs of gang affiliation. Um, That can happen too. Um, And then 
so those are some of the things. Um, now, pimps and traffickers exhibit the following behaviors. Okay. So they can be jealous. They can be controlling. They can be violent. They can be older. They can promise things. They can give them the promise of the world. Um, that's too good to be true. Um, they encourage victims to engage in illegal activities, as we talked about. They buy them expensive gifts. They're vague about what they do for a living. Um, they're pushy and demanding. Um, they uh, encourage uh, overly sexual behavior. And they make victims responsible for their financial stability. And they're very open about financial matters. So they make the women feel like, you know, I don't have any money because I'm giving all my money to you. Or I bought you that expensive handbag. And so now I don't have any money. So you're going to need to pay me back. And here's how you're going to do it. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of times, you know, ladies that are working in the strip clubs, they're being, I mean, there are, there are people coming, traffickers coming there looking for the right woman, looking for how they can get a, a woman who's already vulnerable into a situation um, to traffic her. And it can, it can be a boyfriend. I mean, we have seen it over and over again. Now, one of the things that's really important that we need to, to address is, um, is our phones. You know, as we know, yeah. our phones are a part of our life now. And, you know, phones are good, but phones are also can be very dangerous. Yes. And in the time of this media age that we're in, you know, young kids have cell phones. And it's very interesting because when you look at kids, you know, especially with Snapchat and with Twitter, especially, you know, yeah. and um, also with TikTok, you know, mm -hmm. you know, TikTok is fun. Like as a kid, I would have been all about TikTok. I know <laughs> <laughs> my friends and I, we would have been making videos. We would have been having so much fun. Mm -hmm. right? But there are people that are looking to exploit. And, and, you know, a lot of these kids want to be TikTok famous so they can make money. So all their videos are public, all their videos are public. And, you know, you can go on Snapchat or Instagram or TikTok and make a fake account. And you can say ever, yeah, however sure. old you are. And so a lot of times, you know, people will meet people on those area, you know, on those apps. And when they go meet them, they're 30 years old and they take them. Or they have their snap, they have their snap mat on. And so people know where they are, you know, okay. your location. So for kids and parents, they should never put their location on anything. Yeah. Because if, if there's someone is following them and they have their location on, um, they could grab them, you know, and, you know, I always, anytime I speak to kids and, you know, I, I do that often, um, I tell them you, you don't become friends with anyone unless, unless they're famous. Cause you know, some kids follow famous people, but other than that, you don't follow anyone, even if it's a friend of a friend, cause you just don't know. And it could save your life. And it's very important. Parents need to know their kids' passwords for all of their social media apps because the exploited children uh, the missing and exploiting children say you have 48 hours. If your child goes missing, you have 48 hours to find them. And if you don't, chances are you will never see your children again. 
So they could be trafficked or they could be murdered. And a lot of times they're probably being going to be trafficked. So it's very important that parents know their passwords and they know who their friends are and they're able to go into their accounts and check it periodically. Not that you're trying to micromanage your kids, but you're trying to keep them safe. And if they have a friend on there that they don't know, they need to be grounded and have their phone taken away <laughs> or have their apps or have their apps <laughs> turned off for a while. Like I, you know, I have a, I have a soon to be 18 year old, but that was mm-hmm. always, and I have other, I have older kids too, but I was always very strict about that because you yeah. just never know. You just never no, know. That's, that's such good advice. I was going to ask, what do we do? Not just to protect ourselves because it can happen to anyone, but also to protect children. Right. Well, we're getting ready to put something on our website that will have a, a talking point for parents and children to have sit down and have a family meeting and talk about it and have okay. a place where they can write their passwords down and give it to their parents. So okay. it's a, it's a, it's a place. And, and I think what has to happen too is parents, parents need to come up with a plan for their children. And every family is different. Every family has their own set of standards and rules that they want for their children. Yeah, but they need to develop that and the kids need to be taught that because they need to understand they need to be able to get into their social media accounts. If they need to, if their kids go missing, they need to be able to log in and see if they have to give it to the authorities, like who is my daughter or my son been talking to? Yeah, for you know, it, and if you don't have it, you have no idea. You have no idea. And, and I think that parents need to be able to sit down and say, I don't want your location on. I want to know, I want to know your passwords. You yeah. know, it's not like you have to micromanage your children, but you need to be able to have a conversation. But I think as parents, they need to decide what is going to be the best thing for my family, uh-huh. you know, and even like cyberbullying and taking pictures. I mean, cause there's all kinds yeah. of apps that, you know, you can take provocative pictures and hide them. And, you know, there's all kinds of things. And, and, you know, I think our phones can be, you know, there's a lot of good that our phones do. And Absolutely. I think, you know, I mean, we all use them. We're all grateful for our phones, but we also have to be wise with it. And, you know, scripture says my people perish for lack of knowledge and we have to be aware of what our kids are doing. I can't even stress it enough. And, you know, it's really funny. I are not funny. It's horrific. A couple of years ago, I spoke at a middle school um, out in Cabarrus County and it was, there were seventh graders. And so I asked these kids, I said, okay. And I wanted it to be very interactive and I wanted them to talk to talk to me. And I said, okay, how many of you guys have a cell phone? And, you know, of course they all raised their hands. And I said, okay, how many of you have apps on your phone? So of course, you know, the kids raised their hands and I said, okay, tell me what kind of apps you have. So, you know, TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, um, some of the boys had gaming, gaming apps, you know, all of that. And I said, okay, how many of you, um, how many of your parents know your passwords? And there was probably a handful of kids. I'm sure and then I asked nice. them, I said, okay, how many of you have friends on your social media accounts that you don't know that aren't movie stars? And they all raised their hands. And I said, okay, how many of you, um, what was it? I, I asked them that. I asked them, 
Um, how many of you have a, an app on your phone your parents don't know about? And you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe the hands that went up. So I asked them, I said, so what kind of apps do you have? And most of them were gaming apps. And, you know, there were some things. But um, so we had a conversation. I said, you need to go home and give your parents your passwords. And I explained, you know, I talked to them what we just what we just shared. I said, because it could save your life, you know. And as I was there, there was this young woman. Um, she was a student. So she, seventh grade, so you're 13 years old. And the whole time I was talking, I could just see like we were just making eye contact and I could tell that she was in crisis. I could just tell. And she was wow. shaking her head. She was looking at me like it was, you know, like we were connecting. And so after it was over, I went up to the teacher and I asked her, I said, can you tell me about that young woman? And uh, she said, well, um, she has a very young mom and she has an older boyfriend and she's in trouble. And I said, I knew it. I knew it. And so I handed the teacher my card and I said, would you give this to her if the time comes? Because I want her to know if she gets in trouble, she can call us and we'll help her. And I still have, I never heard from her, but you know, I'm just praying that, that she, that she is okay. And, you know, so that, and that was just in a middle-class school, like, just yeah. a normal school that, you know, that it could be happening. And so yeah. I thought it was just really interesting that, you know, parents, you know, some parents are hyper vigilant about it and they really do care. And I mean, not that parents don't care. Yeah. But they, some parents just don't know. They don't exactly. know how to, have, how to have that conversation and how to talk about it. And it's, it's social media is not going away. No, you know, and this is life and death. Yeah, I'm so glad that you shared that. And you, mm-hmm. you basically covered everything you <laughs> I typically <laughs> ask about misconceptions. I ask what can we do? Um, mm-hmm. And different questions. And you covered everything from warning signs to you really just educated all of us. And I hope that this episode really helps um, not just parents, but also just anyone, whether you're a teen, no matter what age you are, um, maybe you're young and you're listening to this and you have apps that maybe your parents don't know about or they don't have your passwords, or maybe you have an older um, boyfriend or girlfriend, or, I mean, it could happen to anyone. So I'm really mm-hmm. hoping that this, this episode helps. But thank you so much for just thank sharing you. all of that and just explaining it to us. There were some things that I learned um, typically when I've heard of human trafficking, it's always been associated with sexual, which I know that that does play a role. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to see that it's anything that is by force or co- coercion, um, whether that's labor, um, that right. was very enlightening for me. Um, and I love the resources that you all are offering and you all are really in the trenches. And I love just the name mm-hmm. compassion to act because it's one thing to have compassion and to have empathy but it's another thing to actually put action behind that That's so the right. fact that y'all are going into the trenches and rescuing and and doing all of these things is just so incredible to me um so where can people stay connected because this is important for everyone no matter your right. age you know someone that needs this, even if you don't think that you need it. That's right. Um, so where can we stay in touch with you and your resources and just kind of team up with Compassion? Sure, sure. Okay, well, first, let me say, if you're in crisis and you are in a situation that you need to get out of, 
or you are walking down the street and you see it, call 911. Okay. It's, it's anonymous. Tell them what you're seeing and report it because a lot of times people see things and they don't know what to do. And if you call them and you say, here's what I'm seeing, here's what it is. They will take that information. And maybe that's the one thing they're, they're waiting for to, to break the case open. So be aware any of these things that we've talked about. I always say, trust your gut. If something doesn't feel right on the inside, it's because it does, it's not right. And even if you got it wrong, at least you made a call and you did something. Okay. So that's number one. Um, number two is everyone can do something. This is a problem that is, has nothing to do with color, race, political, all the crazy that we are experiencing in so many areas. This is in every part of society, every part of the world, every part of our lives that we're in, it's happening everywhere. So everyone can do something. You can pray, you can give, you can serve, you can educate yourself, you can um, invite us to come and speak at your church, at your school, at your business, at your job. We don't care because we know knowledge is power. And we know that every time we share something, a life is going to be saved. It's going to prevent something. You can join our newsletter. You can go on our website, www.compassion2act. So that's C-O-M-P-A-S-S-I-O-N-T-O-A-C-T.org. You can sign up to get our newsletter. You can look on our website and sign up to volunteer because we have lots of volunteer opportunities, ways to get involved, ways to be a part of this. We need you. We need you. We need to all come together and stop this and, and take our city back. N no one needs to be trafficked and exploited. Like it's, it's something that should not be happening, especially now, especially because of the resources that we have with media and all the things. There is something that we can do to stop it. And we need you. We do. Thank you so much again. Um, those are very practical ways that we can help. And I'm literally going to sign up for the newsletter after we, <laughs> after we finish. Good, good, um, good, and good. hopefully I'll be able to do more, especially once COVID passes. Um, yeah, but yeah. thank you so much again, Debbie, for coming on and thank sharing you. the facts, the statistics, um, and giving us practical warning signs, practical ways to um, try to help prevent and stop and lessen the amount of trafficking going on and just giving us an awareness that this isn't just something that's in the news or something that's happening far off, but it's actually happening here. And I love that yes. you all have taken initiative to serve the people here before you even think about, <laughs> you know, going right. globally. I think that is so important. And I support, you know, everything that you're doing with Compassion to Act. And thank you. It's been you. what, seven years now? We it's, started in 2013. Yeah, it's crazy to think that it's is that incredible. Long. But yeah. you are making yeah. such of a huge difference. And I just applaud thank you me. for, like you said, you were older when you accepted the call. Um, but just the fact that you accepted it is is commendable. And it's something I think one thing that amazes me before we get off is that it's not something that you experience personally, but you have such of a passion for it. And I just think that is, that's amazing because some people feel that they can't advocate unless it's something that they have experienced themselves. Right. But right. you are a true testament to really having compassion, empathy, and 
passion to advocate, even if it's not something that has touched you personally. And that's powerful when you can step in the trenches for someone with a a situation that you haven't experienced yourself. I think that speaks to just love and empathy on a humanity level. Um, Like you said, this is something that bypasses race, it bypasses politics, Mm -hmm. it bypasses religion, it bypasses everything. Everything. And we can come together on a level plane and just have compassion to act. So thank you so much. And we help anyone, we help anyone and everyone, you know, like, we don't care. We just want people to get set. We want people to get set free and we want people yeah. to get away from being vulnerable and, you know, and we just want people to be, and we want people to walk out their purpose, whatever that purpose is in life. That's what we want. That's what we desire. Yeah, that is so good. And thank you yeah. so much. Thank you to thank everyone you. for tuning in and please make sure that you connect with Debbie at educate yourself try to advocate in the best way that you can, um, but make sure that you connect with Debbie and Compassion to Act um, so that we can put a handle on on this human trafficking yeah. and really stick together. So thank you thank so you. much for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Did you enjoy this episode? If you haven't already, subscribe on your favorite listening platform, and our new YouTube channel with video interviews premiering in season three. I'd also love for you to continue the conversation with those around you. One way you can do that is by purchasing MSE Podcasts Conversation Starters Deck, available for purchase at bygracenp.com. Be sure to leave a review on one of MSE's listening platforms, share with a friend, and join the My Sentiments Exactly podcast community on social media at MSE Podcast. The podcast is available for listening on all major streaming platforms by gracenp.com and YouTube now. Hope to hear from you soon.